0: The Guardian.
1: Welcome to the February edition of Media Talk USA from The Guardian. I'm Jeff Jarvis. In New York right now, we're whining about the snow, sounding rather like Brits this season. But in our CUNY studio, we're warm and toasty and ready to talk about Google's buzz, Apple's iPad, Amazon's fights, and Toyota's mess. Media Talk USA from Guardian.co.uk Joining me at the microphones are two mavens of media and fellow gadget addicts. Natalie Del Conte is a correspondent for the CBS Early Show and the host of the show Loaded and the podcast Buzz Out Loud for CNET. She is a whiz at all things technological. Welcome, Natalie.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: And Fred Graver, self-described media whore, is my hero. As he wrote for Cheers and Letterman, Fred created Best Week Ever for VH1 and now is the most entertaining entrepreneur I know. Hey, Fred. Hi, Jeff. So, We're going to begin with Google Buzz, which appears at first glance to be Google's Twitter. Or is it Google's Facebook or Google's Foursquare? Breath mint, candy mint, you decide. Google Buzz is a new way to share updates,
2: photos, videos, and more, and start conversations about the things you find interesting. It's built right into Gmail and uses the friends you've already made, so there's nothing to set up. You're automatically following the people you email and chat with the most. You can choose to share
1: publicly with the world, or privately to a small group of your closest friends. I've said there are three wars Google hasn't yet won for the live web, the social web, and the local web. I see Google Buzz fighting on all three battlefields. This could well be Google's next Orchid or side wiki, that is a fizzle, but if it succeeds, I see profound opportunity in a few arenas. First, as we've discussed on this show, Google's Marissa Meyer has promised to provide algorithms to help us prioritize what she calls our hyper-personal news stream. Buzz starts to do that. Second, Buzz will aid Google's efforts to annotate the physical world with comments on every restaurant on Earth. Out of that comes better maps, better Google Place pages, and local ad opportunities galore. Third, Google is trying to organize our social lives. The question remains how it will do that across the whole of our Internet persona. Fourth, Google has not been good at live, as it needs content to ferment, like wine or cheese. Now, it's in the update business, like Twitter. Twitter. Finally, I think we see Google pushing into the spoken versus written web, as we can dictate our updates to Buzz and maybe soon phone it in. Is Google Buzz a big deal, and what do we think about its impact on media? Natalie, have you buzzed yet?
0: I have buzzed. Well, actually, I've lurked on Buzz. I haven't posted my own buzz yet. I'm a little suspicious of it. I tend to protect my Google identity a bit more guardedly than I do my Twitter identity. So I logged in and had all these people already ready to be my friends and have relationships with me, and I wasn't really decided that because it takes your relationships based on either email or instant message conversations that you've already had. Um, I wasn't okay with that just yet, but I do think— so
1: Google is kind of like a, a Jewish mother telling you who your friends are.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes more is just more. It's not better yet. So I think it's going to take a little bit of management to actually massage it into my life. I haven't decided yet if I want to.
2: Fred? So you know, ironically, last week, I was having all kinds of email problems, and I ended up moving all of my email into Gmail. And, and it has simplified my life enormously. Uh, and then yesterday, Buzz comes out, and it starts searching through my emails and suggesting friends. And I now have two or three friends that I'm buzzing with. And, and it kind of happened effortlessly. And I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of interesting. In terms of the larger implications, you, know, you never know with Google. I mean, Google, we're going we're, you know, to talk about Buzz. And we're also, I think, at some point going to talk about the Google ad. Google actually is so cool right now that they don't actually have to explain themselves. They're like the kid in high school who shows up one day and goes, I thought I'd just wear a tie. And everybody <laughs> runs around going like, oh, man, did you see Preston? Preston's wearing a tie. And like, oh, my God, Google's going like with this Buzz thing and what's going to happen? You know, and, and we're all like high schoolers trying to figure it out. And Google actually doesn't have to explain itself. Well,
1: actually, the one complaint I've heard about Buzz is that it's too complicated. That Google's brilliance is simplicity, Twitter's brilliance is simplicity, but buzz is little bits of everything and driving you a little nuts. But that's I,
0: I how think, I feel about Google Wave as well. Yes, which Google Wave col- is
2: really complicated. It's yeah. complicated. Yeah. It's, like, it's like trying to negotiate Copenhagen, right? It's like insane. Right. Uh, but I think when you start to see the buzz stuff happening in your inbox – then you're going to kind of start to go. Oh, I get this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, it's it's like email, and it's I can just kind of sort through my friends. The question is, will it aggregate things? Like, because I'm if, I'm if I'm already used to tweeting, right? I'm really disappointed. You can get in
1: Twitter f- into it, they say, but you can't use Buzz to publish to Twitter. Right. The winner in social, I think, is going to be the one that organizes across all platforms. It's not one site. We mm-hmm. already right. have our avatars of life across all these platforms, mm-hmm. and I want to bring them together in one place.
2: It's why I think you know, Facebook Connect could mean that Facebook owns the internet in the sense that, yes, that, that's the battle. that I get more and more and more apps and software and products that are all hooked into Facebook Connect, that all publish to Facebook Connect. And, and your identity, identity from is resident my, there. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. But then, again, I come back to the some things I want to just be mine and private and some things I want to be social. And so Twitter, I don't have to manage everyone who follows me in the same way that then I'm going to have to manage everyone who follows me in Google Buzz. It's, it's very different. And I know that I'm a different case because I'm a journalist, and so I can reach more people at once, and most people will just be able to manage the relationships that they already manage. But at the same time, it automatically linked to my Google Reader, which is also something that I protect very closely. I don't like to link to other people within Google Reader. It's just actually me and my boyfriend is the only one I share with. Um, and then sometimes I email out to my sister. Um, so I don't think everything belongs in the social realm.
1: One friend of mine, uh, John Bracken of the MacArthur Foundation, said last night that he thinks that because buzz is tied into Gmail, that may make it go more mainstream. Mm-hmm. His yeah. his wife test is she doesn't tweet, but she does Gmail, and now she's going to see this buzz thing. It's just going to come to her. Right. Natalie, you uh, explained the world to the masses and CBS Morning Show. How are you going to explain buzz? How are you?
0: Well, I don't think that's something – I know some of my producers thought, do we need to do something on this? And I thought, well, maybe, but it took us a long time to do anything about Twitter because the audience, I don't don't think, still completely understands Twitter. I wouldn't say most of them use it. It
2: it goes back to, like, when is it going to start showing up in your inbox? When it starts showing up in your inbox is the day that people are going to go, what's this, and is it good for me?
0: And I think that... For the morning show, most of them are still using AOL and Internet Explorer as their as their browser of choice and their yeah, media. we all, we all forget that right so no, that's no. Not also they're really also watching the CBS
2: morning show Yes. <laughs> well well the no, which is a very self defining audience yes, yes
0: exactly yeah. so it's a little bit harder to assume it, although you know I kind of like the job of holding their hands and saying come with me now like the yeah. segment I did yesterday was about YouTube's new parental controls that's a hit on the C- CBS Early show, not a huge hit in the blogosphere.
1: Right. Right. Well, I think it'll come across our lives in other ways, too. On Google Maps, you're going to start seeing these little quote bubbles mm-hmm. that say, oh, these are people who are talking about that restaurant. And right. it brings value right, right. to or that. Or if it's your
2: friends and things like that. So it's a, in a way, it in one way, if you're looped or foursquare- I would worry about this. Right.
1: So, so what's the impact? So looped in Foursquare, it starts to hurt because you can now check into places and you can do well, it from your phone.
2: Right. So when we all watched Twitter, we were all like, wow, whoever filters this, whoever dams this up, sorts through it, looks at the real-time conversation. And, and in fact, Google's already doing that in their search results now. They're going to win. Like what are people saying about X right now? And if you are dropped into Times Square or you open things up, like I, I find when I travel, I will open up Foursquare and I'll, you know, flip it to the city that I'm in and suddenly find four or five of my friends from Facebook who are also on Foursquare. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy cow, they're they're all going to X.
1: Well, there's the key to it, I think. And that's what Google sees. Google wants to intuit our intent. Yeah, and it does that. It gives us relevance, which is its, its God mm-hmm. relevance, because it knows more about us. It knows where you are, what you're doing, who your friends are. And, yes, that'll scare people. Ooh, Google's too big. But it also gives us value. Wait, but as
2: Natalie points out, they're in a constant negotiation with us, information for value.
0: hmm
2: and, by the way, if, if they could create a silo for you, that it was just you and your boyfriend and a couple of other people, mm-hmm. and, and that nobody ever saw that silo, and it was just, that would be wonderful, right? It was you right. and your family, you and your friends, you and your closest friends.
1: Well, that's what they do try to do versus Twitter. You can do better with groups like right. Facebook.
0: Right. Posting to very specific groups of people is engaging. The problem is within Reader, I can, I can only share publicly or not share at all. Right. So right. once I share an article, it goes to all of these people when really, uh, you know, I only mean it for him. This is a
1: better Well, it also means we have to make uh, the Google profile page our avatar online. And I already have avatars online, so we'll see how that works. While we're on Google, a quick question. What do we think of Google's Super Bowl ad? I complained on Twitter at the time that romance and France do not mix with the Super Bowl and testosterone. But lots of tweeters slapped me upside the head with their wet hankies saying it was perfect for women stuck watching the Super Bowl. And it even made some of them cry.
0: I think it made certain male Spectators of the Super Bowl have sore ribs because then you get an elbow in your rib when you see something romantic like that, and your girlfriend's like,
2: "What kind of stereotyping is going on here? What kind of why can't a guy search for Paris and restaurants and churches? Excuse me, my inner Alan Alda is (laughs) erupting." (laughs) But but I it's so funny. All I saw was why does Google have to advertise? I don't get it. Except as a kind of what i saw it as was as a kind of announcement of look who's at the big table now
0: well because bing advertises up the yin yang that's why they feel the need to sort of have one ad that's it no yeah. no taxi billboards just the one big marquee ad and then done
1: yeah <laughs> yeah you know i still wonder if it was the appropriate thing i think google has a pr problem not with the people but it has one developing with media and right. with well, government that's what it, and so on. So is it trying to say we're good, we're Google, love us? Or we're, we're a big adorable. media player.
2: We're a big media player. We're a big media. When you guys start to think about, really seriously think about moving your ad money, this is what it's all about. Right. You're gonna move your ad money toward the internet. You're gonna move it toward us because you've seen us at the Pantheon of ad spends. The Super Bowl. Okay? So you guys think about this because we are as big as buying on the Super Bowl.
0: And look at the shift in the economy that's advertising on the Super Bowl now because Pepsi made a big to-do about the fact that they are not advertising but on the Super go-head-y. Bowl. GoDaddy. And then all of these companies, <laughs> yes, exactly, that are making a big splash are the tech companies that are making, uh, yes, you're right, GoDaddy, Google, Bing,
1: Well, we'll not let Google take over the podcast anymore. On to other topics. Media Talk USA with Jeff Jarvis. Now, some media news in brief. Uh, This month, HitWise said that Facebook now accounts for two and a half times more visits to news sites than Google News. Another way to look at this, Google News causes 1 billion clicks a month. Bitly, the URL shortener used on Twitter, causes 2 billion clicks a month. Rupert Murdoch has been moaning about links he gets from Google. Will he also turn away links he gets from readers? I think this is a proof of a new sphere of discovery and it says that we humans have more power than search and uh, aggregation algorithms.
2: It, it, go, it goes back to that, that – um, well, first thing, the other interesting thing is – Facebook is fourth among all referrers. So you were comparing it to Google News, but, it's, but the, I think the bigger news is it's fourth among all referrers to news sites, which is amazing. Um, it, it goes back to that thing that the, the, the oft-quoted student five years ago who said, if the news is important, it will find me. It was and only one
1: year ago, but my t- time flies. Yeah, the yeah, yeah.
2: Well, it all you – know. yes. Back in – yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, he was right. Right and And that's a very valuable thing. If I don't think Rupert should complain, I think what Rupert
1: should say is, "I agree. thank God, he should't complain about you, Google either." But what it really says is that the audience is, in media is becoming bigger than media itself.
0: I would agree, and I think that Facebook shows that intimacy in relationships is what's important, not just relationships, because I did the tweeting podcast, and they had said that people who are on the suggested follow list can't move traffic as much as people who have maybe 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 followers because they haven't been on the suggested follow list, but people have gone out of their way to find them instead of just find them through Mm. their sign-up process, so because they went out of their way to find those people, they will click the links that they put on Twitter. Twitter. Same thing goes with Facebook. Facebook people tend to guard those relationships a bit more carefully, so they'll click those links when someone posts something versus just, I followed Ashton Kutcher because Twitter told me to, but I'm not going to click what he wants It's the value to.
1: of authority and mm-hmm. the value of the relationship. I think you're absolutely right. And Clay Shirky at NYU talks about uh, the problem we have online is not too much stuff. It's filter failure. Right. Yeah. It's authority, and I think that that's where that yeah. goes in Facebook. And people are always – the best filters,
0: right? You know, there's a great term by David Levy, who's a, also a social professor, who said, who coined the term information environmentalism. So we sort of learn to filter out what's crap and what's noise based on just because so much crap is and coming our way. And then we end way. up at
2: this podcast.
1: And then right. I just recycle everything I say over and over <laughs> again. That's green talk. Next. It may not be media news, but I'm fascinated at Toyota's limp response to its troubles in social media. Its Twitter account, at Toyota, has said little. Its head of social media posted a Twitter picture of an empty war room. In my blog, I suggest that Toyota needs to take radical steps like opening up its repair records for us all to analyze and even to fix and make cars updatable and changeable like phones. Can companies still be deaf and dumb and merely apologize in this social era? Those poor... Bastards!
0: I know. Their Uh, their commercials are such a mea culpa. I'm like, yeah, but what are you doing about it? It was a
2: terrible response. I think it never occurred to them for a second to use social media. It never occurred to them for a second to rally their troops. And then the fact, I think, that the Prius is now rumored to be recalled because of brake failures. If they had one core group who will come to their defense, it would be Prius owners right? We mm-hmm. love you. You right. let the charge. Blah, blah, blah. That's who they should reach out to. They should go to the Prius owners and go, let's begin a conversation here about Toyota. And they will evangelize for Toyota. Other people who just bought a Corolla because it's a cheap car and they're like are just going to be mad.
1: Well, I also yeah. think it's possible that if you start to just update cars the way you update phones, and mind you, I, I talk about beta all the time. I don't want the beta car. Or for my British listeners, beta. Um, <laughs> but you know, my, my, my Nexus One uh, which I'm holding up in my hands right now, uh, last week I got an update automatically. And the phone wasn't broken, but now it's better. The Prius could have just gotten this update automatically, and it's always better, ever the better Prius, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it's the brake pads. Yes, that's
0: Right. True. We did see more networked cars at CES, but that was by Ford. That was not, not by Toyota. But isn't that a cool
1: idea that you could get an update to your car?
0: It is a cool uh, idea. A friend
1: of mine here at CUNY, though, feared that you could also get your car hacked.
0: Yes, exactly, and then you're driving to who knows where. But yeah, I, I imagine the terrorists, I
1: yeah. all turn right and stop uh, on cue.
0: Well, we talk about open-source cars a lot in the Valley, and, and it's such a complicated thing to do when it comes to especially hardware, to standardize and open-source any kind of hardware. But when it comes to just firmware, software, yes, that's something that they should at least be discussing and making their public understand. I think you're right, I read your blog about how um, – If they were just to come out, and instead of this just mea culpa commercial, but with real data and information about what they're doing, we would all feel a lot more at ease.
1: Yeah. All right. I suppose that we should note that paywalls are going up in newspapers. We try to avoid that topic because we've talked about it so much. Stephen Brill's first installation will be in a Pennsylvania newspaper that is charging out-of-towners for obituaries. Man, there's gold in them. There are caskets. Uh, Newsday revealed that only 35 readers have paid its toll. Though, to be fair, you get in free in Newsday if you're a subscriber to the paper or to their cable system they own. But paywalls in general, can I start laughing now?
0: Uh, I'm sort of rolling my eyes. If Facebook is free, you can announce obituaries that way.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: Coming from uh, a family that ran funeral parlors, I mean, people will pay anything during those two months. Um,
0: (laughs) It's a cash cow. Yeah,
2: um, I'm sorry. <laughs> upsell, <laughs> upsell of the gold one. Um, you know, let's just see. And, and I know later on we're going to talk about about books. And we're going to talk about you know, it's the market. It's the free market, and there should be a big sign above anybody who creates content for the internet that says it's the consumer stupid. If people start to pay for something then they'll start to pay for something. And there's no predicting what they're going to pay for. I really don't think there's any predicting what they're going to pay for.
0: But we become so spoiled and petulant, I mean, when it becomes to any content that we have used to getting for free. And then we have to charge just a little bit. I mean, I am actually on the side with Macmillan and this Amazon Macmillan book deal that we'll talk about later because I think you should be able to decide what your content is worth and then let the market decide. And see whether the market agrees. Yeah. Right. And there,
1: right. You know,
2: there's a really interesting – Doug Morris at, at Universal Music Group the other day – Uh, uh, Said that their sales on iTunes had gone down since iTunes started this variable pricing. He also blamed the economy. He said, "I'm Mm. not sure which is which, but we're selling less." So Apple trained everybody: 99 cents a song, boom; Mm -hmm. 9.99 an album, boom, and got us to start paying for music. And got us to start paying for music. Worked great. Kindle trained everyone: 9.99 a book, great. Nobody said this is permanent. No. Yeah. Right. No, so we'll go see. ahead, clear the table, let people start over again. I'm with Macmillan, too. Like, if you're Stephen King and you've published an 1,800-page book and, and I'm dying to read it and, by the way, not carry it around, I might pay 15 or
1: $16 for that. Back to that in a moment. But yes. first, with Simon Cowell leaving American Idol, there have been rumors that he wants his replacement to be Howard Stern. Rumors spread by Howard Stern himself as he's in negotiations with Sirius and his contract is coming up. Uh, I vote for Howard. You?
0: I would be okay with that. I think he knows how to keep it clean for TV.
2: I think it would be terrible. Really? I think it devalues the American Idol experience. Is that possible? It's not about the freaks. (laughs) Simon Cowell is a music – I mean, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's really true. (laughs) And I love American Idol. But American Idol works because at the end of the table, there is a precise – guy who understands music, voices, stars, fashion, culture, and the business. He can look at you and tell you why you're wrong or why you're right in a very precise way, and the show hinges on his opinion. So get Jimmy Iovine, get somebody else in there who is smart and funny and can be brutal but also knows the business. If you put Howard in there, I guarantee you the next winner will be the guy who sings Pants on the Ground.
0: I'm not a big fan of American Idol, but I do think that it would add some kind of misanthropic nastiness that I think is what people tune into American Idol for. But I disagree. I don't I watch the they, show enough to have they a. They tune in opinion on that. for
2: the for the last three weeks when there is a kind of awe inspiring elevation of somebody into the heavens based on what came out of their body. I'm not kidding. It's a mass American religious experience. Man, you need
1: a life. <laughs> media talk USA finally how can we end this salon with gadget freaks without dishing on the Apple iPad
0: hey do you have a pad I can borrow sure here you go no you know the other kind of pad I can't believe you still use maxi pads I know I just I have a narrow cervix and so it's painful for me to insist (laughs) no 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 I meant, why use a Maxi Pad when there's a new iPad
1: from Apple? <laughs> that from Mad TV four years ago, warning Apple that pad may have a slight branding problem. Though I'm an Apple fanboy to the extreme, and I'll find any excuse to buy any gadget, I'm just not sure about this middling device. It won't replace my laptop in my briefcase or on my lap. It can't replace my iPhone or Nexus One. It's another candy mint versus breath mint identity crisis, I'd say. Are you going to buy one?
0: Probably, but I get everything. Um, and I'm not just a blind Apple fan, though. I, I tend to be very critical of Apple. Um, I do think that nobody needs it, but once you get it, you're going to want to keep it. That's how I feel about it. And I'm okay with nomenclature, because in technology, we have such a problem with that, trying to come up with these cute, creative names. It's so hard. We, we drop the vowel. It's, it's just a weird thing. So I, I'm not super offended by that.
1: Fred, are you
2: going to buy one? Uh, I'm actually going to, unlike almost every other time Apple's come out with something, I am actually think I'm going to wait for the next generation. I, I use my laptop all the time. I don't see anything that this does that my laptop doesn't do. And I really feel like what's going to happen is, one, there's going to be developers who will build – Experiences for the iPad that will be unique to the iPad. But
1: why and is it unique to the iPad? I don't fully understand that. It's basically just a browser, isn't it? It's a screen and you can do most anything. I on, don't on think the
2: what, no. It runs the App SDK. So, it, A, it'll be an awesome gaming machine. What it really is, I think, is an iPod touch killer. Right. right. There's no reason right. to buy an iPod Touch if you're a kid. Although you can't now. strap
0: it to your person and take it to the gym in the way you can an iPod Touch, or you can. But true. It but will the iPod
2: Touch is really about is, is, is really about kids playing
1: games. Okay. And, well, that, that starts everything. to make sense to me. I've all, long argued that Apple made a mistake when they released the iPhone because they should have released the iPod Touch uh, first and said it's and a computer made it a phone. and then by the way well, oh, I so, a phone
2: it's so funny i was thinking about this uh, this morning what if it had gone the other way and the ipad had come out before the iphone no that makes sense to we me. would all be screaming oh my god i wish it could make a phone call by the way and i wish you could shrink <laughs> it the ipad's greatest feature is it doesn't make a phone call because that's the only thing that makes me want to throw my iphone away every day
0: Well, I'll agree with you there. I'm a big reader, and so I think that in terms of what the publishing industry is going to do with this is going to be compelling. Yes. I don't enjoy reading periodicals on the Kindle. It's just a list of text that is not engaging. I miss a lot because I'm tired of scrolling through. It's slow. I think the New York Times application is beautiful on iPad. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to make people who enjoy periodicals enjoy them in a different way. And also, I think book publishers are going to play with this in a way that we we have not seen.
2: I completely agree with you. If you look at the Sports Illustrated demo that's on YouTube uh-huh. where they show you know that's awesome. Books are awesome. The fact that an author can the notion like like Stuart Brand has published The Whole Earth Discipline and is out there doing webinars and chats and everything well that could happen in the book on the iPad, all the time as you're reading it that's great now that's wonderful I think when you get to that point where where people are building new software to take advantage of this device and the device is going to have to evolve one more generation yeah. then it's really going to be kind of great
1: I think it's going to happen too with the Google Chrome OS is going to come out and there every app is a web app yeah. right. and HTML5 won't get away from Flash uh, and, and I think you 'll start to see new things develop there at Davos. Eric Schmidt was asked whether they were going to come out with a pad themselves, and he said, "Tell me what the difference is between a pad and a big iPhone." Yeah, and because Android is open, surely someone will make a pad with Android." Mm-hmm. And we'll see competition there. We'll see the closed Apple way versus the open Google way when it comes to applications. Yeah. We
0: saw that. We saw it at CES. There were a few readers that are now using Android, which makes them a pad, I suppose, yeah. or a tablet. I'm more comfortable with that terminology. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> see, it does bother you. Right. So, so, you know,
2: it's, it's funny. Maybe Apple should have just called it Big Eye Thing. <laughs> and people yeah. are going. You're getting, get, getting the big eye thing. <laughs> yes, I wanted a bigger eye thing. Uh-huh. This is great. I've got a not bigger. About to be an ad the
1: Super Bowl, <laughs> right? So, so book publishers. Uh, not to be obnoxious and drop Davos twice, but I saw the owner Ew, of Macmillan there, St- Stefan von Holtzbrink, and he was practically giggling uh, that now Apple was in Amazon's turf, and he owns Macmillan, which pulled its books from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon had to painfully uh, come back and uh, concede defeat. So we talked about this a little minute, minute ago but there are those in media who think that the iPad is somehow their salvation the messiah they've been waiting for. David him. Carr. Yeah, I don't know that I get that but I do think that competition in the electronic book space He's probably a good thing for the publishers, though not necessarily the best thing for us readers. It probably will raise prices, no?
0: That's true. I remember Dan Brown had a big fit about his latest book coming out and that he had to keep it at $9.99 for Kindle. Dan Brown really shouldn't have had to because he would have had the yeah. same readership for that book because he's a very compelling author. People like to read his stuff. I do believe that it's just a simple law of supply and demand and just see let the marketplace yeah. determine the pricing.
2: I completely agree. And, and and you know, there will be all kinds of different yeah, – yeah, let it go. All kinds of different devices. Okay, there's there's one like instance. I just want to bring it up because I, I think it's illustrative. Michael Pollan, right? I eat dinner with people who consume his books, and, and I've never had to buy his books because I feel like I've I've read them because people have lectured to <laughs> me. Been right? Hectored. I've been hectored. You should eat that Fred. It came from ten miles away. So he came out with a book called Food Rules right? A simple list of 67 things you should do. It is available on the Amazon Kindle or on the Kindle for iPhone for $5. I bought that. And I thought, there's a perfect use of this. I have these 67 rules, which I can search or look at or whatever, that actually help guide me to my food choices. And it's worth about $5. The nuggetization
1: of books now, too. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like,
2: why not? Right? And so the other side of it is, you're Michael Pollan, why do you need a publisher now, you could publish something to the iPad. It could be a living discussion. This book yeah, of food I like rules could be a living discussion published by Michael Pollan to the iPad. He hires somebody to help manage the community and the technology. Right. And suddenly, there's a living discussion of his principles living on the iPad, and people can pull it out or on the iPhone or whatever. I think what you're going to see is, is an
1: incredible change in the ability of authors to promote their own brand. Well, It'll and to have hard, a direct relationship with their public they couldn't have before. Their publishers didn't yes. even have before. Now, they do. You know, you inspire me, uh, not to plug my book, What Would Google Do on Sale Everywhere?, but uh, I wonder if I should nuggetize that yeah, and offer a chapter for a buck.
0: You could, or you could also insert your comment, a video at the end of every chapter that will go we into the We actually tried iPad. to do that, and, uh-huh.
1: and the platform wasn't ready. So we in Kindle? it. Or, well, certainly not in Kindle, but right. also in other ebooks that We're going to try to put in a V-book, you know, video book in the school, uh-huh. and uh, it didn't work. So I put. Well, up my what stupid would be great videos. is if I had your book, if
2: I had it somewhere, and you decided to add a bunch of notes to one chapter based on Google Buzz,
0: right? And then it's a software upgrade, like a Prius.
2: Isn't that a blog? Uh, but I own your book. And I want to read it in the context of your book so you don't have to requote your book on your blog.
0: But then it really blurs the lines between what is a book and what is not a book. And, and that's a fine thing. A book
2: right. is a, – a even when we all went to the library as kids and picked one off the shelf and sat under a tree, a book is a conversation in your head with an author. Right. And some authors only want to have it one way, and that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And there's some things like what would Google do where I would think I want to have a two-way conversation with this person and that all of this technology – allows that to happen. All
1: right, you're convincing me that the iPad may well start to make us rethink the forms. And that alone is worthwhile. And you've given me an excuse to buy the thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You need it. I need it anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, that wraps it up for another month. Time to do what TV news says we're all doing at this time. Time to dig out. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Jeff. Media Talk USA is engineered and edited by Chad Bernhardt and produced by me. You can blame me. We record in the studios of City University of New York Graduate School of Journalism. Don't forget to add your comments to our blog at guardian.co.uk slash mediatalkusa. Make sure you subscribe from there, too, so you don't miss next month's edition, which will be uploaded the first week of March or as near as we can get. I'm Jeff Jarvis. Thank you for listening. Oh, it's that smarty Jeff Jarvis again! I want to listen to him! He knows all about the gadgets and things! Media Talk.